Welcome to the Sacred Palette Podcast. I am your host, Shaheen Rahman. I am an artist and part of the Islamic Art Society, a US-based nonprofit that promotes the beauty of Islamic arts. This podcast is a way to connect with artists that are creating Islamic art here in the US. Through interviews and unique stories, you will get to hear about their special journey and creativity. From calligraphy to geometric patterns to arabesque and much more, the podcast will provide a glimpse into what it's like to create beautiful and amazing works of Islamic art right here, right now in the United States. So let's get started. Islamic art covers a broad spectrum of works, and at the center of the Islamic artistic tradition is Arabic calligraphy. It's a distinguishing feature of the Islamic culture in which the word as the medium of the divine revelation plays a crucial role. Islamic calligraphy, however, is not limited to strictly religious subjects or spaces. Like all Islamic art, it encompasses a diverse range of works created in a wide variety of contexts. It's also important to note that Islamic art has been created not just by Muslims, but by non-Muslims as well. And that holds true even today and here in the U.S. as well. So when I came across this Hindu Tamil American artist, who creates beautiful artworks with Arabic calligraphy, I wanted to find out more about her and her art. I was curious to know what inspires someone from a Hindu background to pursue Arabic calligraphy. And so this episode of The Sacred Palette is all about the story of Sangeeta Kausik. Born and raised in California, Sangeeta is an accomplished fine artist with numerous gallery exhibitions. She's also a designer and has worked in the world of fashion, beauty, music, and luxury brands. Her background includes working as the head designer for product development at the prestigious Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. Sangeeta currently serves as the Hindu chaplain at New York University. I reached out to Sangeeta to find out more about her art and her journey. I started out by asking if she had been influenced by art in her early years. Well, I grew up in a very artistic home. Like my mother is a performing artist, so she taught me music. So I'm trained in classical Indian music, both Carnatic and Hindustani music, as well as uh, classical dance forms, Kathak, Odissi, and Bharatanatyam. And my father actually draws very well too, and he has excellent penmanship. And so growing up in California, my father is also one of the founders of the Shiva Vishnu Temple, which is a large um, Hindu temple in Livermore, California. And I saw this temple being brought to life by sculptors coming from India and sculpting these um, amazing and beautiful statues and uh, columns and pillars. So I was always surrounded by art and music. Sangeeta's journey led her from California to New York, where she attended design school and graduated with a degree in communications design. She went on to work in graphic designing for the fashion and beauty industry and worked with luxury brands such as Ralph Lauren and Tiffany & Co. 
In 2009, she started working at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. I asked her what it was like to work at the Met. I love history. I love religion. I love art. So working at the Met was a dream come true because every single day walking into that building was an inspiration. And talking to all these curators who are well-trained in whatever field they are, they're like walking encyclopedias of like, say, Sumerian art or Egyptian art and in, within Egyptian art, a certain time period or within Islamic art, a certain time period. So I... I gained a lot of knowledge on not just the artwork, but the culture that produced the artwork as well. So it was a blessing, a true blessing to be able to work there, to meet all these amazing people, to be able to um, really uh, gain knowledge that, uh, that I was able to uh, gain knowledge and that, that influenced my designs as well. So it was a wonderful learning experience working at the Met. She held the position of head designer of product development of the art galleries. Sangeeta talked about her role at the museum and elaborated on the nature of her work there. I designed all products like textiles, jewelry, um, textiles, jewelry, printed products, stationery, gifts, packaging, everything you see sold in store, web and cat catalog. So I worked with many different curatorial departments, including the Islamic art galleries was one of the cur curatorial departments. So whether it's Islamic art or Asian art or East Asian art or Greek art or medieval art. So I had a chance to work with all these different departments. It was during her time at the Met that she started learning Arabic calligraphy. I wanted to know what motivated her to do that. I also wondered if being from the Hindu faith, that was a question she got asked a lot. I get asked that question many, many times and people um, get very confused. So I'll explain. I became the head designer for the Metropolitan Museum in 2009 and the Islamic galleries, they reopened in 2011. And so to design product for the Islamic galleries, they were calling it the art of the Arab lands. And I said, well, you know, Indian people, Pakistani people, Afghani people, Bangladeshi people, we're not Arabs. Like our, our Islamic art forms are very different than, say, what's from the Arab world. So what ties all of Islamic art together? It's Arabic calligraphy, because Arabic calligraphy is used to to illustrate the Holy Quran, it's used to decorate beautiful mosques, and calligraphy is what ties all the Islamic countries together. Because you will find Islamic calligraphy, say, in Morocco, you will find Islamic calligraphy in Iraq, you'll find Islamic calligraphy in India. So it's that's why I wanted to pursue Arabic calligraphy, was to design product for the museum shop while I was working there. So I went to NYU, I, I met my ustad who's Egyptian, Ahmed Esawi, and he said, Habibi, you need to learn language first. I said, I said to Ahmed uncle, I said, please, I really want to learn to draw the language more than speak it. And so he got me my Ustad Majid Saif, who's a, who's a renowned Palestinian uh, Arabic calligrapher. And so I've been studying with him for almost uh, 10, 12 years now. So, and I managed to ended up getting a degree in Arabic calligraphy from NYU. They opened the program just for me because they saw my passion for this. So that's what led me into Arabic calligraphy was the reopening of the Islamic galleries in 2011 at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Sangeeta was raised a devout Hindu while learning to love and respect her religion through classical South Asian music, dance, and art. 
and she continues to be committed to her Hindu faith in her adult life as well. In 2017, she became the Hindu chaplain at New York University's Global Spiritual Life. When I came to New York City, I used to go to the temple, uh, Hindu temple regularly, and I used to help out at, one, at a small temple called Broom Street Temple that opened in Manhattan, where I would teach people, uh, uh, people who are not of South Asian origin, who are not Indians, who don't know Sanskrit. I would translate the prayers from Sanskrit to English and teach them these prayers. So NYU heard about this um, heard about this initiative and they wanted to add a Hindu chaplain to NYU, to global spiritual life. And so I don't know what a chaplain is because the word chaplain doesn't exist in Hinduism or in Eastern religions. Sangeeta was a little nervous about her new role as the Hindu chaplain. Then she met the two Muslim Imam chaplains of the Islamic Center at New York University. Her respect and fondness for these two Imams is obvious in the way she talks about them and her special friendship with them. It's pretty clear that they've had a profound influence on her. And I've heard of Imam Khalid Latif because I have a lot of Pakistani-American, Pakistani friends growing up in California, so everyone told me about Imam Khalid Latif. And I said, who is this Imam? So when I met Imam Khalid, Khalid immediately asked me, he's like, would you like to have a coffee? Would you like to get, uh, would you, I'd like to get to know you, right? I'm like, sure. I, so I met Khalid and I said, look, brother, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't know what a chaplain means. It's like, I know a lot about Hinduism. I'm willing to teach everyone who wants to know about Hinduism. And he, and he told me, like, he told me what a chaplain is. It was one of the sweetest things I've ever heard in my life. Khalid said, chaplaincy, being a chaplain is not about religion. A chaplain is being there for someone, really being there for someone in need in any way, shape or form. They need you, whether it's to sit there with them and hold their hand while they, are cry, while they cry or to hand them a tissue or just let them vent if they're angry. And I thought that was really, really beautiful what Khalid said to me. So Khalid also, and also Khalid is Pakistani-American, I'm Indian-American. Culturally, we're exactly the same. And then, you know, we started to get to know each other and become friends. Like, I've never met anybody who's born and raised in the United States like me, who's as religious as I am. He always went to the mosque, even in high school. Like, he had a calling to go there and worship, just like I always went to the temple during high school, during, uh, during high school, during college, during elementary school. I thought I was a freak. Am I the only brown girl like going to go worship who's born and raised here? And then I met Khalid. I was like, oh, my God, I just met my bestie. We also have another colleague called Sheikh Fayaz Jaffer, who's the Shia chaplain at NYU. He's also he's Indian-American, Gujarati-American. And he's also one of the very few Shia scholars in the United States. I've never met I've never met Indian-Americans or Pakistani-Americans like um, I'll just say South Asian Americans who can clearly explain in, in English what their faith is, like what Islam is and the idea of oneness, the idea of renouncing to God, the idea of renouncing your ego, all of these ideas and, and concepts that they're talking about, that what's written in the Holy Quran, these ideas are also found in Hinduism but they so clearly explain it to everybody in English. That's why I, I'm, I, I'm very, um, uh, I admire them both deeply and in deep gratitude to both of them for guiding me and helping me 
in chaplaincy work because I'm so used to praying in Sanskrit and not explaining so much in English. But these two know how to explain the Quran in English, which is amazing. I've never heard that before. So And Khalid has never kept me away from the Islamic Center. He he always invites me to all his halakas, all whatever um, whatever events and things that they have at the Islamic Center. He always invites me to. And same thing with Fayaz. They don't see the difference between me or him. Sangeeta is passionate about her faith and her culture. You can really sense it in her voice when she talks about these aspects of her life. It's important to her to educate others, to fight negative stereotypes, and foster appreciation and understanding of religious faiths. And her art and designs attempt to do just that. She especially likes to highlight the commonalities of cultures between Hinduism and Islam. So it was natural for her to convey this message through her art at an exhibit last year at NYU. So last year I had a chance to do an, uh, an exhibition at NYU. Um, uh, under the Global Spiritual Life Program, they wanted to do an exhibition on India, right? All the religions of India, because every religion on this planet is practiced in India. And so I was going to do that, but then everyone saw my Arabic calligraphy and they were intrigued by this, that it's all interfaith. And they're like, okay, you know what? Forget it. Let's just do something about Hinduism and Islam, interfaith calligraphy, Arabic calligraphy, right? I said, okay. So that, so that's how it it evolved. Like my Arabic calligraphy, I try and showcase stories that tie Hinduism and Islam together. My exhibition, I decided to title it Allah Swami. Allah for God in Arabic. Swami is like a more endearing, um, less scholarly name for God in Sanskrit in Hinduism it's almost means like my beloved like God is my beloved Allah's mommy my artwork is not just pure calligraphy there's a meaning and concept behind each and every piece because for me I my work is about celebrating Islam celebrating Hinduism and showing how interconnected we are because our cultures are so intertwined like India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, parts of Iran, Bangladesh, parts of Nepal, we were all one nation before uh, before colonization. So we share a lot more in traditions and culture than we differ. And most of the media tends to portray everything in a negative light. And for me, I want to portray everything in a positive light. So that's why I decided to do this exhibition and showcase stories through my art that hopefully engage the audience to have a more positive mindset. Sangeeta's art combines Arabic calligraphy with a variety of other designs and styles, resulting in unique works. Among the many art pieces in her Allah Swami exhibit, there was a series of three paintings that incorporated music, faith, and culture. I asked her about the thought process behind these three particular works. My name means music. Sangeeta, Sangeeta means music in Sanskrit, Hindi, and Urdu. So all forms of music have always been a source of inspiration to me, and especially Hindustani music, which tabla uh, predominantly is used in Hindustani music. First piece that I drew, I drew was the Subhanallah tabla, right? Subhanallah means God is perfect or praise to be God or glory to God in Arabic. Why tabla? Because it's fascinating. Because the story of the tabla, when it's constructed in India, it's a in India, the black part is put in by Hindus. The leather is worked on by Muslims. 
So, and it's also an instrument that both Hindus and Muslims play. So, and many, many players from, from India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Nepal, Bangladesh, and Sri Lanka, and many folks from the West also play this instrument. So that's why I was very fascinated by this. And also the only Hindu deity, my favorite is Lord Ganesha. He's depicted playing the tabla also. So that's the inspiration behind the Subhanallah tabla. The Subhanallah finger, so this is also inspired by Hindustani music because both Kawali singers and Bhajan singers, when they get so enra enraptured in um, singing and in their music, they all stick their finger up in the air. You'll see both um, Hindus and Muslims, they stick, up, they stick their finger up in the air because from heaven to your heart, God is there. Um, God is above you, one God, God is everywhere. So that was my inspiration behind this. And usually it's, a, usually it's the singer, harmonium player, or tabla player who sticks their finger up in the air. The third one is a beautiful story. So this is a subhanallah nadaswaram. So the nadaswaram and tabla. Nadaswaram is the trumpet-like instrument. And then the tabla is the drum. So these instruments are strictly South Indian. You'll rarely see them in the north. And they're considered temple instruments. It's the world's loudest non-brass acoustic instruments. And the tawal is, tawal is a drum worn around the neck and played with amazing finger covers. So these instruments, they're, they're magical. They're, they transport you someplace else. And one of the largest temples in the world dedicated to Lord Ranganatha or, the, or Lord Vishnu is located in Sri Rangam, India. The Sheikh family, a family of Muslims, have played the Nadaswaram and tawal for generations to awaken the deities at the temple. The main deity is so big that it, three doors need to open to reveal its full form. Also, another interesting story about this temple is that when the temple was um, attacked by the Delhi Sultan in the 12th century, the Sultan's daughter, a Muslim princess, fell in love with Lord Vishnu. She saved the idol that was stolen, or deity, that I shouldn't say idol, I should say deity, the deity that was stolen, and she brought it back to Sri Rangam, and she received liberation at the Lord's feet, and she's referred to as Tulka Natyar. Tulkar in Tamil means Muslim and is derived from Turkiyar or Turks. Because of her deep devotion and her uh, because of her deep devotion and her status as a saint, there's a shrine dedicated to her inside. And given that idol worship is forbidden in Islam, a painting of the princess hangs instead. At, at this temple, instead of South Indian food costumes, rice and dhotis. The Lord is dressed in lungis and turbans and offered roti, rotis taken from North Indian and Muslim culture. So that's the inspiration behind the Subhanallah Nadaswaram and Tawal, is this amazing story that takes place in Sri Rangam, South India. The exhibit received a lot of positive feedback and admiration. To coincide with the exhibit, Sangeeta launched her brand of products featuring her art from the exhibit. She named her brand Ehsan Ishan. I asked her about the inspiration behind that name. Many people saw the exhibition and they also wanted like prints and apparel. And because I have the design background, I wanted to launch like a small product line to go along with the exhibition. And I wanted to know, I wanted to name it something. So I have a book called Divine Names, the 99 Healing Names of the One Love. Right, which is a, a book of calligraphy by my Ustad Majid Said. He gave it to me at my birthday. And one day I was reading this book and I fell asleep with it on my face. And I woke up with this word Esan in my head, in my face. And, and so then I read what the meaning of Esan is. 
The path and goal is beauty. Esan. Esan comes from Husan. Beauty, grace, and the and it means to approach, live, and carry out everything in the most beautiful way possible. For according to the Prophet, peace be upon him, Hadith, Esan means to worship God as if you saw him. For even if you cannot see him, he can see you. As Esan is the perfectly sincere worship of God when knowledge and will have completely merged with the divine. I thought that was such a beautiful meaning. And then Ishan comes from Ishwar or God or Lord Shiva in um, Hinduism, which means omnipresent. And also Lord Shiva has the all-seeing eye, the third eye in, in, on his forehead. That's the meaning behind Esan Ishan. And, you, and the funny thing is, Esan is also a Muslim boy's name. Ishan is a, is a Hindu boy's name. So many people, when they see Esan Ishan, they think that I'm a guy. And then they get, <laughs> and then they're surprised when it's a girl behind this brand. So, Looking at the logo for her brand, Esan Ishan, it has an almost ornate feel to it, like a piece of jewelry. The logo displays both the words with Esan written on the right and Ishan written on the left. Both are in stylized Kufic script. Once again, she has managed to combine her love for Arabic calligraphy as well as her own faith and culture into the logo. So the logo is inspired by the crescent moon. It's inspired by the crescent moon and it's in inspired by um, dance also. So in Islam, the crescent moon is very important, holds a special significance in Islam. The crescent moon is also depicted in Lord Shiva's hair in Hinduism. And so this logo is also a dance. Bharatanatyam is a dance that it, classical Indian dance is used for worship. And so this ornament the moon ornament is worn by dancers when they perform Bharatanatyam. So combining the Islamic moon and, uh, and then the crescent moon from Lord Shiva's hair and then also the ornament from Bharatanatyam is how I came up with, with the logo. There's a lot of thought and consideration that goes into Sangeeta's creative process. Her art attempts to teach and educate people. Her inspiration often seems to come from music, culture and her faith my work is also inspired by people as well the relationships that i build with people inspires me to do my work like tabla also the subhanallah tabla you asked you asked me the greatest tabla player in the world zakir hussein wore my tabla designs for three weeks straight on instagram live like zakir ji is not only is zakir hussein known as ustad zakir hussein he's also known as guru Zakir Hussein. So he has both the Hindu status and the Muslim status. And when I sent him, when he saw my pieces, he was very intrigued and he loved the story behind it because Zakir Ji teaches everyone. He teaches every nationality, every religion, everyone. He accepts everyone. And he liked that. Um, he, he liked that my tabla was unifying people. He thought it was an Eid gift because it, um, it reached him literally two days before Eid. So Zakir Ji is like I think he's amazing. He's an amazing a person, amazing player. I've listened to his music growing up all my life, so that made me very happy that um, that he got my tabla. So, and just like I love Kowali music, I love Kowalis, I love bhajans. So that's the finger. My Afghan rubab was um, the Afghan rubab that I drew with Persian poetry. That was inspired by Humayun Saki, one of my friends. He's one of the most famous Afghan rubab players in the world. So that was inspired by him. 
I have another hadith of Imam Ali and Gujarati ships, which was um, which was inspired by my friendship with Sheikh Fayez. And then, you know, like the Jay Sri Ganesh that I drew in Arabic, because it's to teach people that Hindus are coined as idol worshippers. We're not idol worshippers. We, like the Abrahamic faiths, all believe in one divine. But how to get to that one divine, it takes time. All of these tools and visuals and deities are they're, they're tools to connect with the one formless, genderless divine that watches over all of us. And plus, everybody loves Ganesh. I have many Muslim friends who keep Ganesh. He's the, remote, he's the most recognizable Hindu deity. That deity has formed, that sculpture is kept in a lot of homes. People keep it. So when I did it in Kufic script, people are like, huh? What does Jay Sri Ganesh mean? I say, praise to Lord Ganesha. So it's to teach people that. And also, I did a Diwali Mubarak. Like Diwali Mubarak. People are like, huh? well, how are you combining Eid Mubarak and Happy Diwali together? But through my research, a lot of Gujarati people say Diwali Mubarak because there's a lot of Gujarati Muslims. And so it's and, and it's normal for Gujarati Hindus also to say Diwali Mubarak. And so when I drew that Diwali Mubarak, I um, it was influenced by my South. It's Diwali is the festival, Hindu festival of lights. So it's so I combined a South Indian Hindu lamp because a Tamil lamp, a traditional peacock lamp with Diwali Mubarak. So that was the influence behind that one. From being a person of strong Hindu faith to product designing at the Met to getting a degree in Arabic calligraphy and then chaplaincy at NYU, Sangeeta has the privilege of having a very unique and diverse background. I asked her if this helps her convey her message of unity and building bridges through her art. Yes, absolutely, definitely. Because I also have the honor of doing a lot of interfaith panels also. I do a lot of uh, interfaith talks and panels, especially with uh, Sheikha Amina Darwish, who's the Muslim lady chaplain of Columbia University. Khalid actually introduced us, and she's one of my closest friends she's one of my best friends and um i think and for me i enjoy doing these interfaith panels and i try to i I teach people through my artwork and because of my mixed background experience i've worked i I work for a variety of different communities i've worked i worked in fashion i worked in hip-hop i worked in lux uh, luxury goods i worked in a museum i'm a chaplain uh, I do Islamic calligraphy, but I'm a soup, but I'm Hindu. I just helped to found the North North American Hindu Chaplains Association. <laughs> so it's um, I feel my diverse background. It it helps to connect with the wider audience and explain what these things are. This year has been the most challenging ever in so many ways. Sangeeta shared some thoughts for the turbulent times we're going through. I tell people to be kind, to be compassionate, and to have an open mind, to not judge others. It's, you know, we've gone through a lot of turmoil now with the coronavirus and now Black Lives Matter movement. It's, um, it's heartbreaking. And I feel that art, music, dance, all of these art form is what heals the heart. And it's also something that connects people together to show them something of beauty, to change their mindset to something of 
from hatred to compassion is what I is what I feel. There's so many articles that say, how do you talk to another person of a different faith or build bridges? Just hang out with them. Just ask them. If you think someone is cool or awesome, just tell them and go out for coffee with them. That's what I did. Like Khalid asked me out for coffee and I met him. I saw Fayaz speak and I asked him, I'm like, bro, you're amazing. Would you like to eat with me? And he told me all about being Shia and what Shia Islam is. And I, and I said, that's fascinating. That's amazing. And same thing with all the Christians and the Jew, Jewish people that I work with. They invite me to they invite me to whatever programs that they have. Just invite people to things and hang out with them. Get to know them. I mean, recently I had a chance to go to Morocco last year. And I discovered this, uh, the Amazigh people. The Amazigh people are these ancient people that have these beautiful traditions and beautiful culture and heritage that's not showcased to the world. I'm learning the language, Tamazit, which I've been doing calligraphy on. It, and it's beautiful. It's fascinating, archaic, beautiful culture that people do not know about. I enjoy discovering things and enjoy falling in love, I guess, and then um, showcasing it to the world and introducing them to my love and continue doing art. I mean, right now, I'm draw like with everything that's going on, when I pick up a pen and I do calligraphy, or I pick up a brush and I mix some paints, the feeling, the feeling that I get makes me really happy and makes me feel closer to the divine because I feel that my art, my visual art is also worshiping the divine. So I offer everything up as a prayer to the divine. Her art is unique and beautiful and Sangeeta invites everyone to have a look at it. She shares it with the world on her website and other social media platforms. My website is Esan Ishan, I-H-S-A-N-I-S-H-A-N.com. And my Instagram and Facebook handle is Esan Ishan Design. So I also, on EsanEshan.com, I also write a blog of the newer artworks that I've been making. And it's because it's a time of Corona, it's been very hard to get them produced, but I also write a blog explaining the newer pieces and the concepts behind them as well. Sangeeta's story is inspiring indeed. She's a great example of someone who aims to educate, create dialogue, build understanding, fight negative stereotypes, and bring diverse communities together, all through her art. Her story projects a vision of respecting diverse faiths and cultures. Through her art, she illustrates how we need to focus on what we have in common. This vision is more important than ever. In a time of hate and racism, Sangeeta clearly shows how an artist and a community leader can set the example of not just respecting each other's faiths and cultures, but celebrating them as well. This is your host, Shaheen Rahman, signing off until next time. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you would like more information on Islamic arts in the U.S. and would like to connect with a community of artists, please check out Islamic Art Society's website. That's www.islamicartssociety.org. You can also follow them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and their YouTube channel. 
I invite you to join me for the next episode as we continue to connect with artists that are doing amazing work in the field of Islamic arts here in the U.S. Until then, please take care and stay safe.